today, we've invited Paul from Edith's Hope. I'm going to invite up now. This is Paul. Could you welcome Paul? And I believe Paul is quite a new face to most people in the room. I think the first thing to say is I've just made a mistake anyway. I've just called it Edith's Home. Sorry. That's, no, we can start there. We can start we'll, there. We'll start there. So my first question is, who are you? Great. Well, firstly, thank you for having me this morning. It's really great to be here. Uh, my name is Paul, and I have a wife called Sarah and two girls, Kayla, who is with me today, who's wearing a really trendy hoodie, um, which we'll talk more about later, um, and a daughter called Edith, who is eight. Now, my daughter Edith has nothing to do with the charity. It wasn't named after her. It was long before her, and it's just a massive coincidence. Um, so I live in, near Winchester, um, so we've traveled over to see you, but I'm actually from Wales, okay? Um, so it's good to be home. Um, I am from God's country, though, North Wales. Um, so it's, you know, it, it's, it's a challenge to be down here, but it's really great to be here with you this morning. Um, so for me, I, and I just want to share a little bit about how I became a Christian, because that's actually what inspired me to get involved in this project. I had quite a tumultuous upbringing. Uh, my dad left when I was a baby. Uh, my stepdad went to prison when I was a teenager and then left. So I've kind of, um, abandonment was something that I carried for a long time. And I was a very, very needy teenager. I always needed attention. I always needed people to kind of like, like focus on me and give me, so standing here, this is great, I love this. You're all looking at me. This is amazing, I'm a, I'm a needy adult. Um, but I, I knew nothing about God. I wasn't brought up a Christian at all. I never went to church. Um, only when you were dragged by, um, at school and you had to go and sit on the horrible pews and stuff. Um, but when I went to college, I met a friend called Chris, and we played basketball together. And over about two or three years, Chris's persistent kind of daily encouragement of me uh, and of who I was as a person, and he was a Christian. I didn't know this at first, but he would tell me about Jesus, and I'd be like, Chris, seriously, dude, if there's a God, why is there so much poverty in the world? And I thought I was so clever with some of the arguments I was firing back at him. If there's a God, you know, why, why do kids get sick? If there's a God, if there's a God, if there's a God. And over two or three years, he was just so persistent and patient with me. And he was just so loving of who I was as a person that eventually, after maybe the hundredth time of him inviting me to come to church, I was like, ah. Oh, Okay, I'll come with you. And then firstly, I rocked up at this church and there was like a drum kit and electric guitar and people happy, which was never my experience of going to a church service. It was an Assemblies of God church, so a very charismatic church up in North Wales. And something about how the people were really struck me. It was kind of a culture I'd never been used to before. People were welcoming, people were loving, people were encouraging. And it just really kind of captured my attention. And then when I heard that God wants to be my father, that was just it. Like, that just really struck my heart um, in so many ways. And that's kind of over the past 25 years. Wow, 25 years of being a Christian. That's kind of the thing that's kept me going. Like, God wants to be my father. My highs and my lows, God is there as this consistent and persistent force in my life, just cheering me on and encouraging me every step of the way. Um, so that's how I became a Christian. So a couple of years ago, um, I was working um, for the Bishop of Winchester. I was a youth advisor, been in youth work for a long time. Um, and a friend of mine called Jim came up to me and started telling me about this motley crew of people that were running this charity called Edith's Home. And what struck me about his story um, about Edith's Home was that there were people who, over the past 15 years, had been consistent, 
persistent in their love of orphan children in Uganda. And some of them are here today. Pam is here. Stand up, Pam. Stand up, Pam. Stand up, Pam. So, so Pam, along with Karen, um, founded the charity back in the early 2000s. And as two students, now, you're going to have to nod. If I get this wrong, you'll just have to say something, OK? Um, but as two students who visited Uganda on a mission trip, saw so much incredible poverty, and were just struck by um, the needs that were there, and asked, asked the simple question, what can we do? That was it. What can we do? 15 years later, so much has been done. <laughs> Um, by a group of ordinary people. Mike and Nikki Hobbs are here. So I see Nikki there, Mike's at the back there, who spent a year living in Uganda, like not in any sense of luxury whatsoever, but lived in Uganda. How many times did you get malaria, Mike? Once. You got malaria? Nikki got it twice, though. Nikki wins. Um, so, you know, they just went out there and lived. And just something about the story of these normal people who were being paid. You know, there wasn't a massive marketing campaign. It wasn't a charity that was spending lots of money in kind of becoming known. It was just loads of ordinary people that were given their time and their energy and their efforts to love orphan kids. And it was that consistent, persistent kind of passion that they had, which made me think, actually, this is something I want to get involved in. And I'm going to completely ignore question two, which was, what is Edith's hope? Well, well I would you like we to the video. On? Oh, hold on. That, ans that answers the question. Do you want me to move it like that? Oh, my phone just went off, sorry. Okay. Is that all right? Cool. You first, then. Go. Together, Together we have, we have hope. hope. Now, you might think this story is too sad to have any hope. But don't give up too quickly. It's a story about some children here in Uganda. Because of illness, conflict and poverty, their mums and dads have died. And they have been left to cope with their whole lives on their own. Now this is Edith. Edith is amazing. Edith knew how sad and alone the children were. But she also knew that together we have hope. So for years, Edith shared her home and her food and her encouragement to help as many families as she could. Until one very sad day. When Edith died as well. Now you might think that this story is too sad to have any hope. But don't give up too quickly because Edith's hope lives on. You see, we are Edith's hope. We work together to care for as many orphan children as we can. Some of us are working with child-led families in Uganda. And some of us working to raise vital funds here in the UK. Together, we provide care. And schools. And skills. And jobs. And income and independence for hundreds of child-led families growing up on their own. I am one of the social workers here in Uganda, sharing Edith Hope with vulnerable young people, caring for families of orphaned children. Why? Because Edith's hope 
was there for me too. When I was very young, my mother and father both died. Edith's hope enabled me to grow up more safely and to train as a social worker so I can now care for the next generation of families like mine. And the good news is that wherever we are in the world, we can all play a part in this story of hope. Regular giving at any level, as an individual, family or an organization, is transforming the lives of child-led families like these. Empowering us with hope. Find out more about the challenges, the opportunities, and the difference you can make at edithishope.org. Because together, together we, we have, have hope. hope. Sorry, just that little face at the end there is amazing, yeah. isn't it? It's just yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so that's Edith Hope. Yes, that in is a, Edith in, in a nutshell, and there's a website, and there's lots of ways to get it. So why should we care about Uganda? Okay, so I don't know if you know this, but Uganda is one of the youngest populations in the world. The average age in Uganda is 15. Half, um, half of the population is under 15, hence why the average age is 15. Um, and it just presents this incredible opportunity, I think, to really inspire. If we can inspire the young generation to believe that life can be different, the whole country will be impacted. Um, Uganda, also about 42% of the population live in extreme poverty. Um, so that means that they live on less than a dollar a day. Um, the impacts, I don't know if you've been watching a lot of the, these BBC documentaries on climate change at the moment, the impact on um, climate change in Uganda is catastrophic. So um, about 20 years ago, 30% of the country was forest. Now it's 10%, okay? Um, China is going into Uganda and they're offering, you know, we'll build you nice roads, but if we can kind of drill for oil, you know, that we're basically, Uganda's trading off its incredible natural resources for simple infrastructure. Because they see the West and they think, we want a road like that, we want a hospital like that, we want a school like that. So it's constantly, and this has been going on for hundreds of years, you know, as a nation, we know how we built as the great British empire going into kind of countries like that and offering things in, in return for the natural resources. But it's a country that, in, in my mind, has so much potential, especially in the young people. Doreen, who we saw there, and there's another girl called Christine who's on our, child, um, on our social work team. She was an orphan child as well. Seeing, and again, Pam and Mike and Nikki will know this far better than I will, grab them afterwards to talk to them, but seeing where they've come from and where they are now, because people like you were persistent and consistent in your support of them, their lives have been transformed, just like my life was transformed back when I was a kind of a raggedy teenager who didn't want to listen to anyone, but who needed everything. Um, so, so, I mean, they're kind of some statistics on why, but b biblically... <laughs> There's loads of reasons why, biblically, we should care. But one of the founding scriptures um, that Edith's, home, Edith's Hope has been founded on is in Proverbs 31, 8 to 9, where, where it says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly, 
and defend the rights of the poor and needy. What other mission do we have as the church, in whatever context that's in, to speak up for the rights of those who cannot speak for themselves in this local community here? You know, COVID, if it's taught us anything, is that there is so much need within our local communities. And it's been amazing um, to see in our community how we've come together through COVID, how we haven't just ignored each other and hidden behind our houses. Community groups have popped up, charities have popped up all around our community and said, can we go and pick up your, you know, people who are afraid to go outside, can we go and pick up your prescription? Can we deliver food? And the church has really stepped up to the plate in so many ways before maybe it didn't because it wasn't really aware of the needs in that community. Uganda, we know there are needs. As, in the, as there are in many countries. And God has said, who is gonna stand up and speak for those who cannot speak for themselves? These kids don't have a voice in Uganda. It's ruled by loads of old people who have been in power for a long time. These kids need a voice. These kids need someone to stand up for them. And that's what Pam, that's what Nikki, that's what Mike, and that's what others in this community. I know Justin has been out um, to Uganda as well. I was gonna get him to share, we've kind of moved on a bit, but you know, speak to Justin about his experience. People here have spoken and they've stepped out there and they have stood up for these young people and people like Doreen have done incredible things. And now as an educated young woman, you know, in Uganda, she's not married, which is unusual in Uganda to be kind of her age, to be educated and not married. But yet she said, you know, I don't need a man to tell me how I should live my life. I'm gonna be strong. I'm gonna be independent in a rural context, doesn't happen. And yet she's come back to Nora, this rural context, and she said, I'm gonna fight for these young people. I'm gonna be their voice. She's doing it. We can, we, can, we can walk alongside her and we can empower her and others to do it as well, so. Smashing, that's, yeah, my next question, really, should we pop these two questions into the one yeah. now? So my questions were, what are the <coughs> things we can pray for and how else can we get involved? Because prayer is obviously a massive part of us getting involved, yeah. being thousands of miles away. Yeah, definitely. Um, what can we pray for? I, I think when I saw this question, I was like, actually, I want to pray for you because, you know, I, I'm in this position now where I'm actually, I'm employed um, to work for Edith's Hope. But I wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for communities like yours who have helped this charity to get to where it is. Yeah, I think Mike was saying to me a few weeks back how you supported him and Nikki when they spent a year out there you know, it's all the little things, isn't it, that um, we don't think make such an impact, but they do, you know? And I don't know any of you here really, but I don't know what, what you've contributed over the years to this project, but what you have done has enabled me to be here. So thank you, and I prayed for you and before the service, and I'll continue praying and thanking God for you. Um, for the charity, I think there's so much fear in Uganda at the moment. Um, COVID, they've seen the West, they've seen the impact of COVID on the West, and they're scared even though they have a million other things to be scared about. You know, malaria is rife, dysentery, hunger. Um, the World Health Organization is saying now about 25,000 people are gonna die every day of hunger because of the impacts of COVID and the restrictions on movement and food. It has a detrimental impact. I mean, we're worried about maybe not getting as much chocolate at Christmas. You know, all over the media, you know, our supermarket shelves might be a bit empty. Oh no, you know, these kids are dying of hunger because food can't get into the country. Um, so pray for our team in Uganda, that's, that's the biggest thing. We have about 20, 26, 27 people that work for us in Uganda. Pray for them, um, because they need all the encouragement, because not only are they trying to be a voice for these kids, they're also fighting poverty themselves. Um, so pray for them. Um, 
So that's prayer. I, I think that's the biggest thing to pray for is our team in Uganda. Um, we're, we're okay. We're, we're, I've, got, I've got great encouragement and support around me. Um, but yeah. And the second, the third, fourth one was... It was about get involved. getting involved. Yeah, and get... this wonderful table, I think we should point that way. If you haven't noticed the table. Yes. Kayla, stand up, Kayla. Merch. Merch. It, yeah. Turn, turn, turn around, turn around. There you go. Yeah. Check out that hoodie. The shelves might go. be empty this Christmas, but that table's full. That table Look is full. Look at that. <laughs> um, how can you get involved? Listen, Edith's home has been around for a long time. And it kind of worked because there was a team of dedicated volunteers that made it work and that persistent and consistent. But we want to do so much more now. We want to take it to the next level. We want, to, um, we, we want more people to be aware of what we're doing, hence why we made that video. And it's out there. I think it's had 7,000 views at the moment on social media. And the first thing you can do is follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you've got your phones now, go onto Facebook, find Edith's Hope, follow us on there. Because not only will that help you to be aware of what's going on all the time, but that also exposes your audience on social media to things that we're doing. So all of a sudden, it's kind of doubling our reach. Um, so please, please, please follow us on social media. Um, check out our website. We, we have a new store as well um, with lots of other merch on, on our website. So please check that out, as well as some stuff here that we can sell to you today. Um, we have childhood families who um, basically, the eldest child, both parents have died, the eldest child is responsible for their siblings. Sometimes that can be as young as 10, 11 years of age. And our social work team do a lot to help um, support them and over a period of four years to help empower them to be in a place where they can build a more hopeful future. Um, but what we need is monthly supporters that will help support them. This year, we had 67 new kids join that program. At the moment, we have 58 donors to cover them. We're eight short. Was my maths correct? 59. We're eight short. Okay, so if you feel like you can support us by um, £25 a month, um, we will connect you with a family, as in we'll give you a profile of a family, and every six months we'll update you on how that family is being impacted by your support. Um, but we're eight donors short to cover our kids for this year over the next four years. Um, so, yeah, so follow us on social media. If you can support us monthly, that would be amazing. Speak to Pam, speak to Nikki, speak to Mike, speak to Justin, speak to me after the service, because they're the people that hold this story a lot more than I do, um, it's to find out their journey and what, what's happened. Is that right? Oh, that's okay. amazing, because we've been studying, I don't know if you know, we've been doing the book of Luke, yeah. and we've been doing it from the point of view that Jesus came to save the least, the last, and yeah. the lost. And what you've just described just fits so much into that, that they're not on our doorstep. They're not the last, the least, and the last we bump into every day, but massive. So thank you, Paul. This is, this is Paul, everyone. And that's either so. Yeah, go on, clap. Go on.